There's just a lot of me being mad at Fitz. Which, okay, what chapter isn't me being mad at Fitz? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 18, Elderlings. Finally. I know. <laughs> Not like we've been mentioning them for the past book and a half, but here they finally are addressed to King Shrewd. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, thinking about it, I don't think I cared about the Elderlings my first read through. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, like, You get maybe so invested about, like, the personal journeys of each mm -hmm. of the characters, and what are they going to do to fix this, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Oh, yeah. The Elderlings. <laughs> the fantasy part of the book, besides the magic, I guess, but, like. <laughs> it seems so grounded in reality anyways, that mm -hmm. it's like, that's not the fantasy part, talking to animals uh -huh. and stuff, it's literally just. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, this time I feel like. Folk. Yeah, this time I feel like I've been, like. Please get to the elderlings. Like, <laughs> so excited to talk about them. We start off this chapter with basically a recap of looking back on the events of this war mm -hmm. and what led us up to this point and how the warships were supposed to save everybody and how Verity put all of his eggs into one basket and how how the failure of those ships to do anything meaningful mm -hmm. kind of drove Verity to become a sacrifice for his people and decide right. to journey off. Uh, it does mention that that he wanted the ships to go out raiding against the Out-Islanders shores, mm -hmm. but only one crew volunteered and the rest were like, we need more practice time. Mm -hmm. And that one crew, after a month, they heard rumors of a pirate ship Yes. Matching all the descriptions and everything. So, you know, people at home were blaming the Out-Islander members of the crew and everything mm -hmm. like that. But I'm sure it was just defecting. and Yeah, in general. Well, because yeah. they point out that the captain of the ship was born and raised in the Buck Duchy. Yep. Like, he is not an Out-Islander and neither were most of the crew. And it's not fair to be like, that's the Out-Islanders. No, it's probably just people who are scared. <laughs> And saw an opportunity and took it because Verity apparently treated these people really well and gave them a ton of rewards, like let them pick out whatever armor they wanted and gave them the best quality weapons, all for them to turn into pirates. Which means that in my head I need to be looking out for Revenge the Pirate Ship uh in the next series yeah because it says it uh they caused the chelsea states and the bingtown traders much grief and much misery mm -hmm. so maybe it'll appear maybe <laughs> but also they didn't turn pirate they were pirates they already stole the best armor and weapons <laughs> honestly the best kind of pirates because <laughs> they really snuck in there i don't know so we start off with Fitz's description of how the Fool and Ketrikan are getting along and how the Fool put her up to it was the first line in this. <laughs> yes. While he was off on the Rurisk and sailing around during the summer, the Fool has been wooing Ketrikan to his side and befriending mm -hmm. her and 
having her do the dirty work that Verity and Fitz would not be beaten into, which is visit with Shrewd and Take think the about the elderling seriously. Yeah, yeah, think about the things that he wants to push the direction in, mainly the elderlings. And so they are sitting on the top of the Queen's Garden Tower. They are picking weeds out of flowers or something like that with <laughs> Patience and Lacey helping. They're putting straw over the weak plants okay. so that they last the winter. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Very necessary. It is. <laughs> you can tell which one of us has a garden. <laughs> you can also tell which one who waters all the plants, you know, <laughs> and who forgets to water the plants that we have. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but Patience and Lacey are helping, and I guess Patience has turned into a timid, but frequent. very frequent advisor to Queen Ketrikin in the matter of planting and growing things. Mm -hmm. Which is good for her, because uh, Fitz succeeded in his task to get her out of her shell a little bit more. Yes. And honestly, this probably is what sets up her ability to later come in and save the day. This little bit of, I don't know. Being out and about in the public's eye a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Being seen in the queen's presence. Yes, and being around a queen who is less like the previous queen. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know, I feel like it. you can gain courage from seeing others do well in a role that you need to take up later. So... I don't know. Maybe this is setting the groundwork a little. <laughs> Mentions Rosemary is there as well. Mm -hmm. And it's also those four on, or those five, excuse me, with Rosemary on the tower alone because Ketrickin has sent home the other people because it's really cold out. <laughs> yes. I also want to point out several times throughout this chapter, it says little Rosemary was at my elbow, mm -hmm. specifically Fitz's elbow that she's at, which makes me wonder if... Regal told her to, like, pay most attention to Fitz or what? Maybe because Fitz obviously is in cahoots with Verity. Yeah. And he wants to try to gain any knowledge he can. It could just be because they're both taking on the servant role in the presence of Queen Ketrikin and, and Verity. And it could yeah. just be they're both relegated to the same space because of propriety. Maybe. I don't know. I just found it interesting that... I circled every time Rosemary's name came up to remind myself she's there. But also, <laughs> in a lot of those times, her position is described as being right next to Fitz. Yeah. So Definitely could. Could be directed. So, while they are doing this task, they are laying straw on the plants to protect from the frost. Ketrikin all of a sudden just brings up, What do you know about the elderlings, Fitz? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's compare our knowledge. And there's an interesting little line in here where Ketrikin is trying to get Fitz to talk and Fitz knows the fool put her up to it. Um, but Ketrikin brings up the fool first because Fitz's excuse for not knowing enough is that it would take a real scholar to be able to dig through all the different pieces of literature and piece them together since there are so few mentions of the elderling or elderling, elderling people throughout. And Ketrikin has an interesting line. A scholar like the fool, she asked Hartley. He seems to know more of them than anyone else I have asked. And I thought that was kind of ironic because clearly the way she's saying it and the way Fitz takes it is 
the fool couldn't be a scholar. He's the fool. But we do know that he actually kind of is a scholar. And mm-hmm. so I thought it was really funny that um, it really did take a scholar to put it together. And they didn't even know it. I don't know. I just found that little nugget interesting. Fitz tries to go off on that tangent just following her conversation. And she just kind of like, well, enough about him. Anyway, what do you know about the elderlings? She's very driven at this point. She really is set on her idea. And we know, as she presents it later, too, is that she wants to go after the elderlings, Mm -hmm. seek their aid, and help the six duchies. Right. This is how she has decided she can be sacrifice. Yes. And Fitz mentions that in the months he's been away, she has really grown up and become a queen. Mm -hmm. And the way that she's talking about this is very queenly of her. And she's more certain of herself in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they compare a little bit of knowledge here. So Ketrikin starts and says that King Wisdom was bitterly besieged by raiders from the sea long ago. It very closely mimics the current story Mm -hmm. and when winter came he decided to journey out to seek aid from elderlings a legendary folk and fitz says like well some people liken the elderlings more to gods than folk and that some of the people in the six duchies i've heard considered king wisdom more of a religious fanatic than you know a king just looking for for help Mm mm-hmm so there's conflicting stories about the sentiments regarding, you know, right. who these people were and why they were doing things, but right. the bare bones kind of remains the same. But it's interesting in this portion that clearly Ketrikin is going from the Mountain Kingdom version, which seems to look more highly on King Wisdom than the Duchy version, which she I does, found interesting. She yeah. does mention that a little bit later in the talk with Verity, too. Because she mentions that King Wisdom was the first of the six duchies rulers ever to come to them without war. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot recorded of his goings on around the Mountain Kingdom. Right. And they must look at, upon him as like a peace bringer kind right. of thing. That's true. But I also find it interesting because while he was a peace bringer to the Mountain Kingdom, he also, as far as the people know defeated and made a huge uh allyship with a powerful yeah. group of people and yet they still are like oh, he was just some weird religious zealot <laughs> and i find that really interesting that portrayal of yeah he saved us with his maybe religion but he was a little crazy <laughs> i don't know i just it's interesting that that even to his own people he's not remembered as a smart man or well, I mean, you know? I, I think Fitz is talking mainly about the stories he's heard that the people at that time thought he was a religious fanatic. Right. Not necessarily the people now, because I feel like during this time they would look upon King Wisdom as like, this is the savior of the six duchies for this mythic story. Mm-hmm. But like, imagine in the middle of a war, your king's like, all right, I'm going to go chase these make-believe god people and Fair. find help and Fair then enough. your king leaves you're like this guy is a religious nut he just <laughs> abandoned us and then all of a sudden he saves us and that's that's great it turns out well but true okay, in the moment <laughs> that's a good point i was thinking of it like the people still tell it like man he was really crazy religiously but hey it worked out <laughs> <laughs> so ketrakin kind of gets back to that like oh the those details don't exactly matter it's the bare bones mm-hmm. He was at war. He left in the winter, went beyond the Mountain Kingdom. 
um, and had information that the elderlings resided in the rain wilds beyond the tallest mountains of the mountain kingdom. He found them, won their alliance, returned to Buckkeep, and together he and the elderlings drove the raiders and invaders away from the coasts of the six duchies. Peace and trade were reestablished, and the elderlings swore to him that if they were ever needed again, they would return. Do we still agree? And Fitz says that, you know, again, that bare bones is pretty similar, but I've also heard being devil's advocate that minstrels are saying that that ending of the story is very typical of a hero's journey Mm -hmm. that oh yeah you know this ally will ever will always return in times of need and that's just a typical story structure and not necessarily a promise and that there was even records of them pledging to come back from the dead if necessary Mm -hmm. which we know is true probably was what they pledged because but also he's mentioning that's grouped in with the other stories that are told to not necessarily just about the otherlings but just mythic stories Mm -hmm. so it could be true it could be just a story device right and this is where the interesting part comes in yes because ketrickin reveals that Uh, patience reveals that she heard as a kid that's right it was patience i (laughs) just randomly like overhearing this conversation and just pipes in (laughs) it's like no no you guys are wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) wisdom didn't come back and the elderlings came to his daughter, Princess Mindful, and it was to her they offered allegiance. And Patience just says, like an old minstrel, my father used to have always sang it that way. And then she went back to her work. Right. Which, which is the crucial information here. Yes. Because that's true. That mm-hmm. has to be true. That is. So I wonder, this is just a little tinfoil hat theory here. What if the old minstrel is like a starling? who was actually there, slash, because he'd have to be a million years old to, for that to be the case. Right, yeah, that'd um, be super old. He could be the bloodline of the person that was there, though. Yeah, but definitely. also, hear me out, what if he is skilled, and he was, like, one of the people who got skill-trained, could but be. defected, or couldn't make it to the mountain, or couldn't build the elderling himself? Um, and so he became a minstrel or something. Maybe he always wanted to be a minstrel. I don't know. Um, but in my little tinfoil hat theory, maybe he's a skilled person. Interesting. Probably not, but it's fun to think about. <laughs> so she has the critical knowledge there that wisdom did not return, and they pledged to the heir to the throne. And Ketrickin considers that for a moment and brushes it aside. It doesn't matter what the tales say about their returning, which I thought is very interesting because Mm -hmm. since they really don't know, and if she was thinking about this a little bit more critically, that does matter Mm -hmm. because it determines whether or not, if you're believing this story to begin with, it determines whether or not you're coming back home safe or not. Right. I guess they don't really know what Kitten Wisdom went through, or anything like that. Yeah. So she could just be assuming, oh, well, he just didn't fly with them or come back to them. He was staying there as a dignitary. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the also one of the other stories that yes. he stayed to dine with them or whatever. And that was their stipulation. Mm-hmm. But she brushes that aside and just says, oh, it doesn't matter. Right. And moves on. So she again asked the question to Fitz. Do you think, you know, if that happened once, do you think they would come to aid us again if a king went or a queen perhaps (laughs) and fitz takes this a different way than what is intended by ketrickin 
It says, Privately, I wondered if the Queen longed for her homeland and would make any excuse for a visit there. Folks were beginning to talk about her lack of pregnancy. While many ladies attended her now, she really had no favorites and there that were genuinely her friends. Lonely, I suspected. I think I began gently pausing to consider how to frame a discouraging reply. And it's just so interesting how perspective can make you think something completely off. Yeah. Because that's a fair assessment that this queen who doesn't have anyone from her hometown is lonely. And maybe that's something from himself that he's taking of like, I'm lonely all the time. She's probably lonely. But thinking about like, oh, the not being able to live up to having a pregnancy already. That's probably really hard. So I'm sure she'd want to escape instead of thinking about it as Ketrickin's always been really big on the whole patriotism thing and wanting to be sacrificed and not seeing it as her doing what Verity does and thinking the way Verity does instead seeing it as like, she's probably just lonely. I think Fitz is also very, how do I want to say this? Not necessarily close minded about his opinions. I think I had a better word in my head, but I lost it. <laughs> but he believes that this thing is a total myth and a fallacy. Right. It's not something that they should pursue. It's just fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And so he projects that on Ketrikin and thinks she probably thinks the same as me, but she just wants an excuse to go there. Right. And that's just, again, I'll use it close minded of him to think that way. Mm-hmm. To assume that other people are going to view the same situation the same way. She's actually looking for a solution and putting her eggs in that one basket. Like, Mm -hmm. we are at our wit's end. We are at the end of the rope here. We need a Hail Mary. We need something to win us the day, win us the war. (laughs) There has to be an end to it. Like the previous conversation that Ketrickin and Fitz had. Right. We have to find an inevitable end and not just the prolonged break in the winter, raid in the summer, break in the winter. Yeah. So she's looking for that, and Fitz is like, nah, this isn't it. I know. So she's just lonely. It's so interesting, especially because we know she's right. Um, Right. But also, Fitz, you literally use two different types of magic, and you're like, nah, fairy tales can't be real. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because the magic is a real thing and documented. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, Yeah. It's frustrating, mm-hmm. but that's just the reality of where they live at. They don't have that's any true. information about it, just a fairy tale and some really old scrolls. True, which is kind of probably a repeat of Wisdom's time, because mm-hmm. from what it seems, nobody else believed in them besides Wisdom either. Yeah, definitely. Right. And yeah, so while Fitz is trying to discourage her, Verity pipes up because he's been in Fitz's head this whole time, which Fitz is like fine with. He doesn't care. It's just a normal thing now. Yeah, he barely even knows that he's there mm-hmm. anymore. And Verity excitedly tells him to encourage Ketrikin to come to him. So Fitz says, you know, maybe go, maybe talk to Verity about it, which does not have the effect that either of them were expecting. Yeah. But it should have been expected. It should have been. I think <laughs> Fitz is less surprised. Yes, he is. But Definitely. Verity is shook because 
Petrican's response is, no, I don't want to go to him because he'll just listen and then be paying attention to his maps and then wait until I finish so he can politely shake his head and send me off again. And, and the, she's crying. Yeah. And Verity, of course, is like, whoa. She's crying. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Uh-huh. And Fitz in his head, I could not conceal from Verity my annoyance that this surprised him. Bring her to me, now, at once. My queen? A moment. Ketrakin looked aside from me. With her face away from me, she pretended to be scratching her nose. I knew she brushed at tears. Ketrakin, I ventured, ventured the familiarity as I had not for months. Let us go to him now with this idea, at once. I will go with you. She spoke hesitantly, not turning to look at me. You do not think it is foolish? I would not lie, I reminded myself. I think that, as things stand, we must consider any possible sources of aid. As I spoke the words, I found I believed them. Had not both the Chade and the Fool hinted no, pleaded for this very idea? Perhaps Verity and I were the ones who were short-sighted. And so she agrees to go with Fitz. Mm-hmm. Probably because of the plea with the familiarity as a friend. Yes. Say, hey, let's, let's do this. We do need to consider all avenues. Mm-hmm. And I'll be there with you. It's no longer Fitz the advisor. It's mm-hmm. Fitz the friend. Which is important, and especially when you're, like, crying because your husband ignores you all the time, I think. Not even just ignores, but... Is patronizing? (laughs) Kind of, but I know know we make excuses for Verity because he has a lot of issues, too, and he has reasons for the things he does. But cruelly just, like, absentmindedly listening and then starting to just drift off and ignore while your Mm -hmm. wife is giving you... You know, advice or asking questions or something, or and trying then, to be helpful, and just coming back at the end of the conversation. Oh no, no, no! And then go away. Yeah, that was nice. Okay, see you later. <laughs> yep, and that's like all the attention that you get from your husband. That's yeah, that's so hard. Yeah, and I think up until this point, not that we didn't know, but the reader reading this the first time doesn't know how bad it is. I mean, we know that they're not like super close, and that Verity finds her tiresome. But I don't think we know. We don't ever feel the depth of Ketrakin's feelings against yes. this. We, it, we get glimpses of it mm-hmm. in a few things, especially especially in that scene where she leaves the Buckkeep Gates to go down to town and right. Fitz follows her. But it just kind of like is smoothed over because she's meditating mm-hmm. and then she seems queenly and sure of herself and it peeks through again right. here. I think... Before up until this point, it feels more like a girl with a crush that's unrequited. It's not serious and it doesn't super matter. It's not really hurting her feelings in like a serious way. It's just annoying and she wants this cute guy to pay attention to her. That's kind of the vibe that I personally read into it coming up into this point. And now it's like, no, she's a woman who is in a political marriage where her people are hurting and she's trying to come to her equal, her other half, and say, hey, have you thought about this avenue of help? And instead of listening, he just nods his head and goes, "Uh uh-huh, super great to hear from you again. See you next week. And that would be so frustrating and hurtful and like 
really make you feel down about yourself, I'm sure. And I think it just makes it more real and just is a really good job of like making her a more fleshed out person Mm -hmm. instead of a 2D. I have a crush on my my husband. (laughs) No, it. So I don't know. I think it's a good glimpse into, wow, this is actually hurting her like her feelings in a deeper way than just my crush didn't notice me <laughs> right yeah it it does bring a little bit more depth to the relationship between verity and ketrickin moving forward mm-hmm. and what she does feel when they chase after him eventually as well in in assassin's quest and and take mm-hmm. that journey up to the up to the quarry yes and so uh Ketrickin asks Patience to continue the work, and they go down, and she gets ready. It takes a while, and she comes out with, like, fresh gown and the jewelry that uh, Verity got her for their wedding. Uh-huh. and A little bit of perfume. A little bit of perfume and all of this. And Rosemary was behind her, insisting on carrying the scrolls for her, mm-hmm. for all the elderling references and evidence. And... Fitz obviously compliments her. I think he still has a little crush that he pushes down. Yes. But he is enamored and in love with Molly. But I think he's still... Well, you can have feelings for other people while being in a relationship. You don't turn into a rock. (laughs) True. But I think he is like, well, because I'm with Molly, I cannot acknowledge any other feelings. He does think that you have to be a rock. (laughs) And Verity also... As a rock with no emotional awareness, <laughs> as she dresses so just to come to speak to me and fits with more awareness, a miracle when it comes to women and feelings uh-huh. than someone else, says she dresses so to attract you. How could a man so astute at reading men be so ignorant of women? Perhaps he has had little time ever to learn much of their ways. I clamped my mind shut on my thoughts and hastened after my queen. <laughs> Um, but seeing her dress all nice for him makes him look at his apparently disgusting room (laughs) (laughs) and hastily clean up he because as ketrickin rosemary and fitz get to his door Cherim is leaving with a large pile of dirty laundry, and uh, Verity himself looks as though his hair has been freshly cleaned and brushed back. Well, smoothed. Yes. <laughs> not necessarily clean. He's wearing clean clothes. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> oh, it's not perfume when guys wear it. Um, well, I cologne. Think you're, yeah, you were looking for cologne, but I think it says that the mingled scents of lavender and cedar were lively in the air. It reminded me of a clothes chest. Mm. Obviously, this is a good shirt that was clean <laughs> that was just stored away in a chest. For a special occasion. Yes, exactly. And he's like, oh, well, she's looking nice. I guess I, guess I put a clean <laughs> <Uh-oh>. shirt on, <laughs> brushed my hair back a couple times. He actually smelled himself <laughs> for the first time in like a week and was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is kind of cute to see Verity, like, try for Ketrickin. Yeah. But it's also really sad that it took him a literal, like, half of a year, six months. And also within somebody else's head. Yeah. Like, of, spelling it out for him. <laughs> yeah. It took him this long to realize, like, see her as his wife and <laughs> not just some little kid. Which, in his defense, he is kind of old and she is younger so i get where the hang-up was initially but it's also really sad that 
basically he's gonna leave soon and this is the first time he's putting any effort into their relationship yep yep well he did put effort in on their wedding day when her right. brother was murdered the night before and <laughs> when he had to when he had to yeah <laughs> so they go in and verity sees himself through fitz's eyes and verity has withered away a little bit more he's been skilling again because mm-hmm. he's summer. had to and mm-hmm. he's was skilling all summer with fits so he's worn his shirt is hanging off on his shoulders and there's more gray in his hair now than black and he's got wrinkles and he's got wrinkles and he's wondering if he does look that bad truly and fits reminds him not to her you don't mm-hmm. so he does make this effort like you said, he does mm-hmm. make an effort to be polite. He kisses her hand, like gives her all of his attention um, and just like say, hey, what are we here for? Let me <laughs> actively listen instead of passively listen to you so you know that I'm listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also there's a little instance here where Fitz notes that he's kind of feeling everything Verity is feeling and what Ketrickin is feeling towards him. I think it's mostly what Ketrickin is feeling, and yes. Verity is feeling that, what Ketrickin feels through Fitz, and mm-hmm. it kind it's of It's intensified. Like, yeah. So it makes Verity feel bashful and say, knock it off, and then cuts the tie between them. But I also found it really interesting, because later in the chapter, there's a blurring of lines of who's who. Mm-hmm. And... It really reminds me of how Fitz uses the wit. Not that I think that this is the wit per se, but it's very reminiscent of when Fitz is close to someone in a magical way. There seems to be no boundaries, and it's really hard for him, and potentially Verity too, to cut off the difference between personage. Mm -hmm. And I just found it really interesting because we know that this is weird for wit people to do, that he is too emerged or immersed in night eyes and that he is, you know, scolded for it later. Yeah. But in this chapter, I saw more of that too with skill with Verity. And so I wonder if he just has trouble. I mean, he clearly has trouble with boundaries in general, but like, (laughs) It's almost as though he has a wit bond with Verity, too. Just the way that things are. I know he doesn't. I'm not suggesting he does. Right. But the way he uses his skill, specifically in this chapter in relation to Verity, is very reminiscent of the of how I've been reading his wit bond with Night Eyes. It is remarked upon that Fitz uses both of them together and mm-hmm. intertwined quite often, and pretty much with everything that he does. Just like when he was meditating and Mm -hmm. reaching out with his skill, he could feel people literally hundreds of miles away because he was also reaching them with his... Wit. Excuse me. When he was reaching out with his wit, he could feel people hundreds of miles away. He was reaching them mind to mind with his skill and then could link them in his wit web. So he links those two together quite often and I feel like that never fully leaves him. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense to me that with, you know, how alone and deprived he was as a kid and all of his traumas that he's been through when mm-hmm. he does forge a connection and uses both 
the mind-to-mind connection and the emotional connections with his magics, he just kind of, like, latches on. Yeah. It's so interesting. I don't know. But it also begs the question now, does that mean whenever a skill user is, like, spying on people or, like, seeing people in their minds or even just, like, far away whenever Verity's skilling out, does that mean he isn't feeling at all what they're feeling he just knows because he's reading their mind in a way you know because it feels like whenever Fitz so. does this he's also attached to that person as though he's feeling their emotions too so it's like a really interesting yeah. that that makes sense to me actually because he has the wit and would be yeah. able to read the moods or the emotions from people but verity for example would just get the mood or get the emotions yeah. from the thoughts the difference of feeling it versus reading it yeah. and maybe that's why it took this him feeling the wit sense through fits even though he probably doesn't know that's what it is that then he's like oh crap like <laughs> there's actually like feelings here <laughs> he cuts it off and then fits stands a moment dizzied alone in his own skull abruptly and he's like you really had no idea i found myself thinking and felt (laughs) glad the thought remained private right and maybe that's why fitz is so often not very surprised at other people's relationships to each other when they seem to be blind because Mm -hmm. he can feel them feeling that way towards each other yeah i don't know things to think about with magic (laughs) except he's blind to himself so true and so Verdi leads this discussion or, or accepts this discussion very formally, obviously, as if there was no preconceived notion that this was going to happen mm-hmm. because Verdi would not know if he was not riding along with Fitz. And so they, uh, they assemble the scrolls out on the table. And again, here's a little mark of Rosemary came and stood at my elbow with her armload of scrolls. Probably filched from my room by the fool, I suspected, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Because Except- obviously Fitz wasn't doing anything. Right. And <laughs> it's not it's not the scrolls yeah. from his room. Yeah. So There might um, be one or two, because we don't know what was right. in his room. But I think most of these were are other new scroll- or yeah. other scrolls. Yeah. And they all have to do with the Mountain Kingdom, mm-hmm. not Elderlings specifically. Yeah, because this is this is where I was mentioning before. King Wisdom was the first king to come to them in peace without mm-hmm. a war and so the mountain kingdom people recorded a lot of his comings and goings and what he was there for and what paths he was taking right because it was a novelty to them yeah it was and, the first time yeah and he's such a significant character in their history that they wanted other people to know of it yeah exactly um, and so indirectly it deals with the elderlings yes in this at the very end of explaining the history of what he was doing in the mountain kingdom Ketrigan has a map, and it was a map of the Mountain Kingdom with passes and trails marked on it, and a few straggling lines leading into the lands beyond. And this map is presented and held out by Rosemary, and it made me think about how later Verity and his men are attacked in the mountains once they pass Mm -hmm. Mountain Kingdom, and... Probably the way Regal gets them this information is because Rosemary sees the map right here. Right. Because Rosemary is... while Ketrickin is studying with it earlier and looking through. She's probably had ample time to look at it and copy down. But I don't think there was enough 
interest in it yet. I think now that it's being presented, could be yeah. the verity that. But still, I'm thinking, wow, this is this is how he knows. This is how he knows where to send the people and how to make them wait, and because he has a little mind and a little spy right there to memorize the map and what everybody's saying. That's so crazy. He also has the skilled users at his command, too. Yes. So he could do a little spying with that, too, and just really pinpoint where they are. <laughs> so skill, skill using is turning, in my mind, into um, a D&D spell. <laughs> the one where you um, spy on people. Scrying? Yes, yeah. scrying. That's like what skill using is turning into for me, <laughs> in my mind. They're just like right there, fish eyes view of the person. <laughs> so she kind of explains this map that they're, they're, these are older roads and paths and these little straggling trails aren't any roads that I know of. So why else would they be marked here except maybe right. one of them leads to where King Wisdom went and where the Elderlings are. And Verity, of course, it's a map, so he's super excited about this. Right, his favorite thing in the world. Exactly. And... He is studying all of these, and Ketrikin's positing, like, oh, you know, maybe they all lead to the Elderlings. Why would they all live in one place? Which That's a... actually Fitz's objection. No. No, it's Ketrikin's. Perhaps they all go to the Elderlings Ketrikin ventured. Why right. should they all reside in but one place? You're right. Fitz is just saying, why would there be multiple paths if it's to the Elderlings? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He also says that none of them seem to have anything marked at the end of those paths. So how do we know which one? All of that sort of thing. And Ketchikin's like, well, maybe all of them lead to, yes. to some sort of elderling place. Except Verity, with his keen map maker eye, says <laughs> actually two of them have markings at the end. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, I did not think about this in the read-through, just popped into my head. One's probably the quarry, mm -hmm. and the other is the The garden? Well? Oh. The garden of all of the different statues? Yes. Probably like that. The forest I was place. thinking maybe the well that he goes into, but I still cannot figure out where that skill well is. And if anybody would like to tell me, please feel free to spoil. <laughs> I think, uh, from what I remember, because it's, it's like an actual river that's like open yes. to the ground. Mm -hmm. I think when Kettle and Verity go back mm -hmm. and they re-silver their arms, they cover it somehow or they hide it. I okay because the dragons went in in the Rainwild Chronicles they can't find any silver around right. and they would be able to smell it or True. go to it directly. I was thinking may I this doesn't make any sense but I was thinking they get there through the skill <laughs> like it's the skill river that they're always talking oh. about like the imaginary one yeah. but maybe they like figured out a way to use their skill to like hmm physically get there i don't know how to explain it better than that but like in my head they're mentally going there but physically getting skill on their arms and i don't know how and that's why i'm so confused <laughs> as to where this stupid well is or this river is um well, but. because i never thought that at all because i thought that was all like in your head and like a just a visual representation yeah. of the people you know going through the skill pillars themselves right. but the actual silver like in Kelsingra and the Rainwilds, they do have wells for them. They mm -hmm. can bring it up and, mm -hmm. and physically manipulate those things. So yeah. I always thought that the open well of silver that Verity uses and that Kettle uses is secret to them. They cover it up later 
and maybe in the tremors that happen throughout yeah you know always in that area because obviously there's <laughs> volcanic or activity or mm-hmm. tectonic plate activity in that area it covers it up further and buries it further and then yeah. eventually only the one single well that they find in Kelsingra is the only access to silver interesting i don't know i just i think because of the description of when fitz rides with verity to the place yeah that one time oh, it seems so dreamlike in quality that i thought that it's not a physical isn't place fitz dreaming at that point or like super he, injured or something yes. and almost dying uh-huh that's i think why i always attributed it attributed attributed yes <laughs> attributed it to uh like that dreamlike quality is because right. he was almost delusional. Yes, but I don't know. Something about it was weird. And so, I don't know. I don't, we'll get there eventually, but... Is that when he escapes Moonside Tower and the fool finds him and is nursing him back to health? I'm not 100% Will? sure when it is. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to read it. I guess it's next book. Yes. So, be a few weeks before that one. <laughs> Just a couple. And so... Uh, Verity is extremely enthused about this because he had this in the back of his head of the Elderlings, and that's why he was collecting those scrolls to begin with, and that's why he tasked Fitz to do it. It was a long shot for him, but somebody actually came back with concrete evidence Mm -hmm. that this could actually be possible, and in his head he's like, now, instead of the warships, I'm going to focus all my energies on this. Do you think if Ketrickin didn't have a map, he would have been like, well, that's nice at the end, you know, like <laughs> he's been doing before. And so she was waiting to bring it to him because she didn't have a map yet, or? I don't think so, because Verity is super enthused and excited about it before he even knows what's in, that's, before he even knows that true. she has scrolls, honestly. That's true. So he just wanted to know what she knew. Right. I wonder if that means she's never brought up the elderling path to him, or if he's just never heard it because he wasn't really listening yeah i don't know it's really interesting anyway and so verity takes off on this whole tangent he's like well you know this the storms are coming in or will any day if i leave soon within the next couple days i can be gone and back during all of winter mm-hmm. and ketrickin is like no you're not going i'm i'm going i'll be sacrificed you're you're the king in waiting yeah i know how to survive the mountains you might die from exposure and obviously, Verity and Fitz are both dumbfounded. <laughs> For different reasons. Yes. Because Fitz still thinks this is stupid. Yeah. He still thinks this is a bad idea. And he's like, oh, clearly, once he heard it from somebody else's mouth, he realized how dumb this sounds. <laughs> and Verity's like, you can't go. <laughs> so Verity's more like, why would I let my queen go? I don't know. I just found that really interesting that even through all this, Fitz is still like, nah. I am very proud of how Verity acts in the next, you know, this the rest of this chapter, though, because he does seriously consider that before he responds to her. He's like, no, I think I have to go because I've been sending everybody else in my stead. Interesting. So who would I be? Like, I, I couldn't stand myself if I sent you in my stead as well. Like, I need to do yeah. it. It's selfish. But he also does, in further later conversations take into consideration um her opinions about this right i don't know i guess i wasn't super proud of this moment of him and this moment because it is selfish i think it's 
It is. He's making it sound nobler than it is. Because this is kind of a hero fantasy, right? That he gets oh, to yeah. play out. Definitely. And I don't and him trying to call it a sacrifice, like, really, I'm a sacrifice in this by going. Just in left a bad taste in my mouth because it feels like I haven't gotten to play war yet, so now it's my turn. So I, I'm just being sacrificial lamb. It's not because I want to play war. And Ketrikin is coming at it like, hey, people are dying and we need, need something. I will go because you were preoccupied here. And that's a real sacrifice because she's not doing it for the glory or the chance to be the one that does the thing. She's doing it. See that? You disagree? That part right there, because mm-hmm. she has been yearning for something to sacrifice herself to as I well. So I that's think fair. like that's also clouding her judgment. I don't that's I both. Tr- I think he is more selfish in this than she is, like the directions that they're coming at for right. it, the decisions. But I don't think she's completely blameless in like, right. I need fair. something to do to be the sacrifice because that's right. what I was told I have to do. And I guess I took I came at it. I excuse her version of it because it's like a cultural thing of like, I need to do the most drastic thing because in my culture, that's what <laughs> leaders do. Whereas that's not really Verity's culture. That's more of like, he does explain it. And we do see, and through Chade's conversations with Fitz mm-hmm. here, that is, it is their culture. They just don't directly reference it at all. Right. It's just instilled in you gradually of like, you have to do everything for your people. Right. But it just seems as though in practice, that means sending other people to do your dirty work, which is something that Verity is talking about how he hates, Mm -hmm. which agreed. Not great to be like, I'm the king, but somebody else do the bad stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I just. It's maybe I'm just having cloudy (laughs) judgment because I like Ketrikan, but I mean, I like both of them. (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. I don't hate Verity or anything. I just. I'm disappointed in him. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed (laughs) in his like jump at getting out of the situation that lets him be the leader. I, and it's hard too, because part of me is like, well, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if he let Ketrikan come with him, except if he did that, then Regal's at charge, like at home in charge. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, Ketrikan is way more suited to be a ruler than he is. So really, he knows that. Yeah, I get it. I understand the steps of like, in practice, if Ketrikan left and then his dad died, he's not going to be making as good of decisions as Ketrikan would be making. But he's failing to take into account Ketrikan is a foreigner. And if his dad dies, it would be way easier for Regal after all the power he just Mm -hmm. gave him in the past year to take over Ketrikan. But I understand that he has not read this book before, so he does not know his ending. <laughs> right. And so Ketrikin suggests that they go together, and Verities does actually consider it. And, and Fitz is kind of astounded, but he's also happy that he does take her request seriously, and Ketrikin is very happy with that. And she starts to smile until Verity finishes his consideration and says, I'm sorry, but like, we really can't risk it at all. For mm-hmm. just the reasons that you said. Yeah. Somebody has to be here. My father's health is not great. And with myself away and my father ill, there must be someone to stand in my stead. She says, I would rather go with you. And, and he says, like, 
you know, this is the sacrifice I want you to make to be alone once again. And not just anyone to stand there, someone I trust. Right. He specifically says it has to be someone I trust, which is big because that is giving Ketrikin the sense of, I know you can do this and I trust that you have the best interests at heart for the kingdom over my blood brother. So like, Mm -hmm. that's, I don't know, pretty big. I accept that as pretty good. And she obviously is extremely crushed at this news and Mm -hmm. Fitz escorts Rosemary out and they leave them together. And Fitz is later sitting in his room going over Elderling Scrolls Thinking of Celerity and Molly, and he is summoned after dinner to the king's chambers. Yes. And he's trying to focus on these Elderling Scrolls, I'm assuming just to try to grasp more knowledge about the situation that was right. just brought up. If but, his king is leaving, he yeah. probably wants as most knowledge <laughs> exactly. as he can get. But all he can think about is Molly. And so he excuses himself to patience, and he's thinking about the interactions he's had with Molly recently of how she doesn't talk about celerity. She doesn't bring up the, their future together. She doesn't talk about, Oh, when you're my husband and blah, 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 blah. And ribbing him about these things. Right. And all the children they're going to have. She's just focused on the present and maintaining what they have. This description of her is really interesting because it's just talking about how she's so strong and she lives in the now but in a way that makes him feel safe and like mm-hmm. she doesn't want to ruin the happiness they can have now just because the future won't work out. And he acknowledges, I did not deserve the devotion of such a faithful heart. But he also says that when I doze beside her in bed, safe and warm amid the perfume of her body and her herbs, it was her strength that protected us. She did not skill. She had no wit. Her magic was a stronger kind, and it worked it, and she worked it by her will alone. And I just find it really interesting. This isn't healthy, but the reason he loves her is because of the sense of security he finds in her, mm-hmm. and the love. And this is probably one of the few people in his life who know. Something bad is going to happen, but love him anyway. And I think it stems from not having a lot of role models in his life unconditionally love him. Mm -hmm. And this isn't an unconditional love. This is an unhealthy way for Molly to be viewing the relationship of, well, at least I have right now. And Fitz should stop this. And he acknowledges that he shouldn't continue to rely on her and it's not fair but he can't bring himself to stop and i think molly is probably feeling the same way that i shouldn't let him in my bedroom every night but i don't want it to stop and i don't know i just feel really bad for the both of them because they there's clearly a real connection here and some type of love but in my view at this point it is clouded by how hurt and damaged they both are. Yeah, especially like with the imagery that Robin Hobb portrays here. Yes. Where Fitz is safe in Molly's bubble and everything like that. That's mm-hmm. exactly what he wants out of the relationship, just to yeah. be isolated, 
from the rest of his life, have Molly to himself, mm -hmm. and then go back to his life, and then go back to Molly. Two separate worlds, two isolated realms that he can go in yeah. and feel safe with Molly, go out and deal with his stuff, and then come back and feel safe with right. Molly. And the picturing of her as this person who is bringing him this strength so selflessly and not taking into account that she is also just a kid mm -hmm. and she doesn't know the world that Fitz is in. Right. And she's probably really scared and Fitz isn't really doing much to comfort her. And maybe she feels the same way with Fitz of in this moment, he's protecting me with his love and he loves me. But I kind of feel like maybe not because she knows that he has a life after this and she may not if she gets pregnant, which is not something Fitz is even considering. <laughs> right. And so he's on his way to Patience's. He enters in there and Patience immediately sends, sets him to work because <laughs> mm -hmm. he walks in and his head hits plants. And he's like, oh, you hung these way too low. And she's like, well, you grew too tall. <laughs> <laughs> Cute little mother son moment. Yep. <laughs> He would have turned out fine if she would have taken him in, and it makes me so angry to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least rowing about killing people all summer has left you in good health. Much better than the sickly boy who came home to me last winter. I told you those tonics would work. As long as you've gotten that tall, you may as well help me hang up these lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so he puts her, or she puts him to work, and while they're doing that, she brings up the conversation about Molly. Mm-hmm. Why do you no longer whine to me about how much you miss Molly? Would it do me any good? I asked her quietly after a moment. I did my best to sound resigned. No, she paused a moment as if thinking, and then informs him that the plants that he is lifting are stipple leaf. Some say they will prevent a woman from conceiving. They don't, at least not dependably. <laughs> but if a woman eats them for too long, she can become ill from them. She paused as if considering. Perhaps if a woman is sick, she does not conceive as easily, but I would not recommend them to anyone, least of all, anyone I cared about. So Patience knows what's going on. Oh yeah, especially with a little broader hint right after. Mm -hmm. Oh, why, why do you have them then, Fitz asks. <laughs> oh, an infusion of them will help a sore throat, so Molly Chandler told me when I found her gathering them in the women's garden. <laughs> I, I see! see. <laughs> Uh-oh. Fitz has literally never thought about the possibility of Molly getting pregnant. He has been... Oh, this part made me... He's a 17-year-old boy. I understand that, but every time somebody's like, hey, you don't want another you running around the castle, do you? And he's like, don't talk about Molly that way. It wouldn't be a bastard. Not thinking about the fact that what he's doing is creating the possibility of a little bastard running around. We need around. some good sex education up in Buckkeep uh, here. Seriously, this on. is like, like exhibit A. Why? Don't they teach princes that stuff? Come on. <laughs> you would think that they would. They should. He had some tutors. <laughs> I guess he's not a prince, so. True. Ugh. But yeah, so uh, sex said, education advocate. <laughs> he says, had I wondered earlier how Verity could be so unaware of what was right before him? Why had I never thought of this? <laughs> what? How must it be for her to dread what a rightfully married woman would long for? What patience had longed for in vain? And he kind of blinks out thinking about this because he does realize that he's been dumb. He does realize that yeah. he is, has missed something that's right in front of his nose the whole time. 
but he also misses the hints that were literally just dangled in front of him that patience does know. Yeah. You're yeah. a spy um, and like just stop thinking about your issues yeah. <laughs> and just focus on the conversation and the context clues uh-huh. that patience just gave you. Okay, Verity staring off at the at nothing and then nodding along as people talk to you. Come on, Fitz. Do better than your uncle. Right. And so he's kind of daydreaming and Patience is asking him, like, why are you staring off into nothing? What's going on? He's like, oh, beg pardon. I didn't get much sleep last night. It's left me dull-witted today. (laughs) I agree. You should start sleeping more at night. These words were uttered a bit heavily. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is Patience's way of being like, if you need to talk about it, let's talk about it. I know what you did last summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, Fitz. Oh, but, and he's like, nobody knows. I convinced her thoroughly that I have just dropped my interest in Molly with that one. Would it help? <laughs> <laughs> and we move on to the next scene here about going to dinner. Because remember, he, he went to patients before dinner and after dinner he has to meet with the king. Yeah. He was summoned there. So at dinner, he notices that Regal was alone on the high dais looking sullen. Fitz does not understand why he chose to dine separately. Certainly he had the rank to, but why choose this isolation? I was wondering if you were had any ideas of why Regal would be sullen looking and dining alone right now. If he has all of his, you know, like usual circle of fawners in the table right below him. So I think number one, he would never sit with the commoners. He is royalty of the utmost percentage, and right, right. he doesn't he doesn't need to mix with commoners, even if these are nobility. Um, I think he would never soup so low as to mingle. Um, so I think that's why he's alone. I'm not sure if he's truly mm. sullen. Um, I think it's always he's always putting on a show, and I think him sitting at a different table would ruin his own illusion in his mind of him being royalty. Um, which seems to work on people, so I guess more power to him. Um, but I think, I'm not sure if he's really sad or not. It's hard. So we don't know if he's talked with Rosemary yet. And at first I was thinking, maybe he had talked to Rosemary and knew that there was a new way to beat the Out Islanders, which ruins his plot to take over by weakening the Outer Duchies. But, as I was thinking about that, it doesn't really matter. We don't, right. he doesn't seem like someone who necessarily believes in the Elderlings, mm-hmm. so probably isn't that. And also, later, he doesn't seem like he had any idea that this was a possibility. We know he's a good actor, so maybe he did and was just pretending. But I think he would be a little too heavy-handed at already knowing that where Verity was planning to go, if he did. I don't even know if he's a good actor. Like, in the scenes <laughs> that we see him, he's but pretty he's obtuse about what he's doing. better than Fitz gives him credit for, I True. think. Um, one, one comment we want to make. Yeah. I don't think your first point of why he's alone is necessarily correct, 
at least the way that I read it, right. it seems like Fitz is surprised that he's alone and that his usual circle is sitting on the table below him. Like there's there's a couple different tables. One, the high table for royalty. Below that, like nobles. And then right. below that, commoners. And he's usually eating with his circle of fawners and stuff, but this time he's alone and sullen. As was his right. That's that's how I read it. How mm. it says I didn't. I guess I didn't eat much at dinner. Regal was alone in the high dais, looking sullen. His usual circle of fawners clustered at a table just below him. I did not understand why he chose to dine separately, as a, as like he just chose today to dine separately. Mm. I figured it was just because Verity didn't come down to eat, and Ketrickin wasn't there either. Mm. Um, because they're not mentioned at being. At dinner. Right. Which I was thinking Verity probably didn't come down to dinner very often anyway. True. But Ketrickin was probably usually there. Mm-hmm. And without Ketrickin there, like, it's just him <laughs> at the higher <laughs> table. I don't know. I guess we do know that he usually talks with the people that fawn around him. So I yeah. guess that says that they're near him. I guess I don't know. I don't know either because it, you could interpret it the way that I did or it is honestly open to say that the way that you said it could be the correct thing yeah. too that that he always was on the high table and just the people that he talked with were on the lower table and he could have chose to get up and sit down there but he just right wouldn't deign to go down to a lower table yeah so either one could be correct i was just kind of yeah the I'm way i sure. read it, it was just he chose yeah. to be separate that time for some reason Right. I don't know. I guess I just read it as that's how he normally is. It just is more stark because Ketrickin's not there right. to join him. That could, yeah, that could definitely be true. But also, why is he sad? That's what it is. He sad because Ketrickin's been helping his father back to health. Could is, be. So yeah. he's moody and he thinks that's where Ketrickin is now. Although he would probably know because Wallace tells him everything. Ketrickin is a little more self assured and probably not mm-hmm. as malleable to his plans. Could be anything. Could be just. Having a bad day. <laughs> he is I mean, technically a human, so yeah, technically <laughs> the barest definition of a human. So he could also have maybe the puppy he was gonna kick um, moved out of the way, and so he missed, mm, and then true. he was really upset about it. So he was reminiscing about the days. old days when they had dogs in the great hall, but now yes. that the queen's here, they can't have dogs there anymore. So, so he can't kick them under the table all the time. Yeah. Right, right. That's definitely it. Um, <laughs> or it is again just a show. To make people talk like, oh, no, what happened? Or maybe one of his, like, dealings went low or something. Like, Could have had a friend fallen sick and he could be worried about the friend. Mm. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we do not know. But I did also mark this down as weird. And I I don't know. It really bothers me that I don't have any, like, winners in my head of why he would be upset. Right. I don't really care why he's alone. He deserves it. But, like... And honestly, him being upset here doesn't really matter right now. It doesn't. But why would Robin Hobb have singled it out if it didn't? (laughs) (laughs) What what is going on in the background? The the curtains are blue. Oh, they have to be blue for a reason. (laughs) Clearly, it is to mark the sadness. Yes. (laughs) And so Fitz is eating here. He doesn't really want to eat. And he notices Birik walking past him. And he stands up and walks out with Birik. And they're just kind of complaining back and forth a little bit, and Birk is kind of encouraging him to vent to him a little bit about his issues. Fitz can't say anything, and Birk's like, oh, one of those issues again, huh? They've taken you even, taken that right away from you, too. 
I don't envy you. Sometimes all a man needs is to growl about his problems to another man. They've denied you even that. But take heart. I have faith you can handle them even if you think you can't. Clapped me on the shoulders and then left in a blast of cold air from the outer doors. I reflected that Birik now spoke to me straight across. He finally believed I was a man grown. <laughs> and it's true. There yeah. is no, like, boy, you need to straighten up and deal right. with your stuff and get your act together. It's, I have faith you can do this. You've, yeah. you've proven, like, you can handle your responsibilities. Do you think this was misplaced? And is it because Fitz is a warrior now? And so that's why Birik is like, oh, he's a man. He went to war for the first time. Probably. Right. Because I really don't think, maturity-wise, Fitz has changed much in the past couple months. But maybe Birk is like, you've seen more of the world now that you've it, killed people. It could, be, it could be seen as he's more of a man, not just in, in killing people, because we know that he's had an incredibly busy schedule and True. a lot of responsibilities over the past months. And he has fulfilled all of them that we know of. Yeah. And I'm sure Birik would be able to see that. And also, I mean, he's had a giant growth spurt and really thicked out. So he probably looks a lot. Thicked li- out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was not the right way to say it. It just, that's what came into my head. So <laughs> slipped on out. But I'm sure he looks more like an adult now. Yeah. At 17, I think... A lot of people, mm-hmm. if you don't have a baby face <laughs> like me, um, start looking more like a real adult, even though they're not there necessarily mentally. But well, also, there's also a little there's a little humble break, humble break later on when he's <laughs> putting more in more effort into dressing for the king because yes. he hasn't really gone to see the king recently, and he really wants to put on a good presentation and and fulfill all that and. Uh, he he says at the end of this paragraph, I'll, I'll go a little bit more into something that's in the middle of it, but at the end it says, uh, I pulled my hair back into a warrior's tail that I felt fully earned now and tugged the front of my blue jerkin straight. It was a bit snug across the shoulders, but so was everything I own lately. <laughs> <laughs> he, his shoulders have definitely thicked out and he's uh, <laughs> definitely pretty swole now. Yeah, he he gets that protein powder, bro. Brother, <laughs> hey, night eyes. You want to go hunting, brother? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but in the middle of that, while he's thinking and getting dressed and getting ready for the visit with King Shrewd, he's thinking about Molly still. And that's what's been running through his head for the past few chapters. Mm-hmm. That's been on his mind he's in love with molly he wants to marry molly he can't marry molly it's true love there doesn't matter i'm romantics. gonna marry her anyway yeah gonna marry her anyway oh i just won't think about it until i have to talk to slarity oh she says i have to marry the marry who the king tells me to fine we'll we'll have this temporary thing and this is where he's thinking about how he's been unfair to molly and what are the things that molly is doing that i haven't noticed even beyond what I just found out today. How is that fair? Like, my misery returned stronger than ever. Tonight, tonight after Shrewd was done with me, I could not let her continue her sacrifices. And so he is determined to cut it off, or at least have a frank discussion of like, hey, what's going on? Like, where's our future? At least some sort of mature conversation. Right. 
never materializes because of other extraneous circumstances. And also, it's Fitz. So when he says, tonight's the last night, I swear, that really means I'm going to keep doing it forever until they cut it off. (laughs) This one, innocent until proven guilty, I'll say that he really had the attitude going into it but uh, other other circumstances prevented him from having that conversation fair enough you're <laughs> entitled to your beliefs so <laughs> yeah, we'll get there we I'll, will we i'll will. argue my side of it at okay. least uh so he pulls up outside of king shrew's part apartments and ketchikan and verity are there and they are all dolled up yes they're looking like an actual couple and of here, the king and queen in waiting. Yeah, here suddenly was the king in waiting and his queen. So Verity is dressed in this super cute long formal robe in a deep forest green. You know, as much as Fitz hates fashion, he always in detail describes everybody's outfit. So how much does he really hate fashion? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> He's just mad that it is uncomfortable, which is a valid complaint about fashion. It's obviously not Robin Hobbs' need to describe detail meticulously and choosing through her form of narration, first person, that it has to come from Fitz, right? It, it's I, Fitz's attention to detail I in fashion. I like to believe that, <laughs> <laughs> that Fitz complains, but really, in his head, he would love to run off and become a designer or something. <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think it's down to... Uh, his f- the future thoughts of fashion that he like really hates and everything he gets all from Verity he likes what Verity's wearing at all times it's usually utilitarian it's usually warrior based mm-hmm. it's not the fancy stuff right, of like Fitz's re- youth and once Verity dies he has no want to go into f- further fashion stuff because he's fine with the good old fashioned meat and potatoes meal uh-huh. with cheese and bread. He wants he wants just the the tunic, the pants, maybe a cloak if it's cold. That's it. <laughs> like that's like leather. That's fair. Maybe to be, hard wool. You know? To be fair on Fitz's fashion hate, things do kind of skyrocket out of control with how fast fashion starts to things go in trend and out of trend and how intricate they men's talk, clothing becomes they talk about the the cuffs of your your sleeves going past your hands with all the lace and i'm just like what's going on here <laughs> i think I it sounds great like a little flourish whenever you leave your room <laughs> i love it i don't know i'm here for the fashion but anyway so he describes their outfits in detail um verity with his deep forest green robe and his embroidered band of stylized bucks that grace the sleeves of the hem. And he also is wearing the circlet across his brow that denotes that he is king-in-waiting, which he never wears. Which is really interesting because you'd think he'd have to. But we don't really talk very much about royalty crowns. There was a little bit in the first book um, when King Shrewd wears his. I don't think Shrewd ever wears it again. No. That we know of. It's never described. It's not anything like that. Yeah, or it's just so normal on his head that Fitz doesn't ever talk about it just seems like a formal thing that they would do for formal hearings or dinners or something like that which is yeah i wonder if that means that he doesn't wear it like to regular dinner yeah why would he yeah like i don't know (laughs) people know who he is (laughs) fair enough (laughs) but yeah so he's wearing his um crown well it's not a crown it's a circlet and then 
Katrikin is dressed in her purple and white that she always does in a really pretty dress that's also described in depth. Um, and her hair is all done up. She's wearing a silver chain covering her braids, her intricate braids. And they both are very serious in this moment. Um, and Fitz is surprised to see them there. He lets them know, um, hey, I'm here to meet with the king. Just heads up. And uh, this is where Verity tells him, no, actually, I called you here to be witness. And this is where Fitz finds out that the real purpose of him coming tonight is not to talk about Celerity or Molly. It's to witness Verity asking permission to go on a quest. And there's Rosemary, freshly, freshly bathed and in very clean clothes at the queen's side, queen-in-waiting side. So Verity knocks on the door. Wallace cracks it open and is basically like, who is it? Sees Verity and then hesitates a moment and then opens it because he realizes he can't prevent Verity from going in. Yep. And so Verity kicks him out, basically says like, oh, I'm, I'm here to see my father. Basically get out, shuts it in his face, shuts the door in his face, tells him to wait outside the door and insults him and say, I never liked this man. Right. But also, very interestingly, Wallace is really trying to stop the king in waiting without getting accused of stopping the king in waiting yeah. he's giving a lot of excuses um i didn't like expect he, like you he always does well yeah <laughs> but it, he just seems really scared here which of course he does the king in waiting's here but it seems like more exaggerated this feels like another little detail like regal was sad on the dais earlier what does it mean because here it says but the king may have needed me the man's eyes shifted wildly about he feared something and this just feels like that nugget of why what is the bigger picture i'm supposed to be putting together with this puzzle piece and i I think regal would have punished wallace for getting kicked out before when fitz went in and multiple Mm -hmm. things like that just getting turned out of the room losing track of what's happening to the king I'm sure Regal is going in on Wallace of like, no, you have to be there all times. Like, I need to know what's going on and would have punished him for getting kicked out or locked out or. I guess. Yeah, that's a good. So him being scared would be like, I have to obey the cane waiting. But also the prince is telling me to stay inside. So who do I listen to? I'm getting punished either way. Right. That's a good point, actually. I didn't think about it that way. I was just like, oh, no, (laughs) another thing I can't figure out. (laughs) And so uh, they force their way inside. Verity shuts Wallace out, tells him to wait by the door. He doesn't. He goes off and runs and grabs Regal. But the fool meets them and is extremely excited to see everybody there. Yes. He goggled at us, grinned in a sudden lift of joy, and then made a floor-sweeping bow to all of us. Sire, awaken! It is as as I have foretold. The minstrels have arrived. Fool, Verity growled, but it was good-natured. He brushed past him, fending off the fool's mocking attempts to kiss the hem of his robe. Ketrakin lifted a hand to smother a smile and followed Verity. The fool all but succeeded in tripping me with the suddenly stretched fourth foot. I avoided it, but made a clumsy entrance, nearly colliding with Ketrikin. The fool grinned and simpered at me, then capered over to Shrewd's bedside. <laughs> so he stirs Shrewd. Shrewd wakens him, and uh, Shrewd seems to be 
of relatively sound mind. Mm -hmm. He is still struggling in his age with his sickness, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But he has most of his wits about him. The smoke sensors are cold tonight Mm -hmm. and he seems okay. And he's just basically like, what's what's going on? You're barging into my room and what's happening here? He also starts calling out the people that are in the room. And I found it interesting. He is like Verity, Queen Ketrickin. But then he also says the Fitz mm-hmm. instead of just Fitz, which I thought was a very interesting and weird um, distinction of like not just Fitz, like everybody else's regular name, but the Fitz. And yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I can't control a king, so <laughs> especially not a fictional one. <laughs> Once shrewd asks like what's this all about verity and ketrickin proceed very formally in this petition he formally presents his goal his task like i want to undertake you know this quest mm-hmm. to find the elderlings an incredulous look passed briefly over shrewd's face and then he gets down to business he pops the bubble of formality instructs people to bring wine bring a table assemble chairs, and just gather so they can go over all the details. Yes. Also, while this is happening, it's as noting that he looks older than Shade here. Yeah. Um, and that he can see more of a resemblance between the two in their brow line and cheekbones. But I just thought it was interesting that it says, it says he looked older, not that he is older, because we know there's like a little bit of discre- discrepancy later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so here we have a little bit of Jade peeking through. And they are discussing all of the, the details of what Ketrickin and Verity went over, and I'm sure they, those two were bottled up in their rooms discussing what they would say in this meeting and planning right. out everything and all the details. And they present... To the king. Right. And he listens. He doesn't and, say anything besides occasional questions. Yeah. And in this moment, Fitz has a selfish thought of, maybe if I told this king about Molly, he would listen now. Which felt really heartbreaking because I don't think he truly understands that even if he talked to this version of King Shrewd, the answer is no. I think he does. He's just in denial. Right. It's he, just like, well, maybe it's because he was so sick. <laughs> And directing his anger at different things. Because again, at the end of that paragraph, he says, I felt a new roiling of anger at Wallace for the habits he had led my king into. And obviously, we know from Fizz's perspective, he knows it's not Wallace himself alone. Mm -hmm. But that's where he can direct his anger. Right. And he even remarks later, like, I wonder if Chade will let me kill Wallace. (laughs) Regal's off limits, and I swore to the king he's off limits, and Chade told me he's off limits. But maybe Wallace. Yeah. (laughs) Wallace doesn't have that security. But, yeah, so it's like a sad little, oh, shits. That's not going to happen. But we also have a Rosemary blurb. Fitz says, Rosemary forgot entirely where she was and wandered off to toy with the tassels on the bed curtains, which he says while they're discussing all the intricacies of the plan. And I think this is another good example of it's assuming that because she's a child and young, she's not listening to everything that's going on just because she's wandered off or because she's young she's not understanding all the things that she's hearing which she probably isn't understanding it but doesn't mean she can't repeat it all right 
And so they explained everything, and like I said before, Shrew did nothing but ask questions at first, making no comments or judgments until he was sure he had from them every scrap of information. And that's what he's kind of known for, mm-hmm. being shrewd. And I, I think that really shows a great leadership quality that isn't displayed too often anymore. And I really wanted to highlight that. That yeah. Shrewd is still a very wise leader, even if we can disagree with his decisions that he's made and his faults in judgment at times. He is still incredibly intelligent and willing to listen to any anything that people come to him with looking for more information, and then finally making a judgment after he gets all the information, not a rash snap thing. Because if he was a rash ruler, there's a look of incredulity that passes over his face to begin with and be like, no, that's stupid. Like, there's, right. we're not doing that. Yeah. But he listens to everything and eventually decides that <sighs> there's enough to send an emissary to the Mountain Kingdom and maybe beyond, but mm-hmm. there's not enough weight to this story to send you. Right. And part of this decision is that earlier in the day, Regal told the king that there aren't very many resources to spare. Money's starting to become scarce. Yes. We have not the resources to spare just now. Regal was at me earlier today, going over the costs of the new ships being built and the fortifying of towers on Antler Island. Money is becoming scarce, and it might not make the folk feel safe to have you leave the city. Could be why Regal is sad. Honestly. He thought he'd get more money from his dad, and his dad's like, well, these are important money spending things. Either that, or he's realizing that the cost of the war might leave him with nothing left. Even if he ends up with power. That's a good... I like that one. Yeah. Like... He's still going to go through with it, but it just might leave him with less than he thought. Oh, boo-hoo. I'm now only a a 500 billionaire instead of a 600 billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if if they're truly impoverished as a kingdom... And he inherits it. That's not a good situation you want to inherit. Well, that was the whole... <laughs> literally why he's so dumb. Because he's causing the impoverishment. He is directly the reason. And we've been saying this the whole time. Hey, Regal, how are you going to destroy half your kingdom and then think that you're right. going to be having a good time as ruler? Because the inner duchies make way more. And if they didn't have the other duchies, they wouldn't have to build the warships. <laughs> exactly. But also... It like, makes sense in a twisted logic sort I of guess. way. But also, like, what a privileged thought of, like, because I have money, like, that's all being king is, is having all this money and power, when mm-hmm. that's not at all what it is, clearly. Right. And so King Shrewd is explaining, like, we don't have the money for this. We can send an emissary with all the gifts and the entourage that is needed for this sort of journey. And Verity's like, no, we don't need that much money. I'm going to be traveling with a small contingent of men like I'm used to, yeah, like in the military. military this, is, this is just a, a utilitarian journey that we yes. are going. We're accomplishing a quest. This is not a big entourage. And of course, they go back and forth like, is that enough? And right. they say that, yes, all the stories, it just needs the king. He just right. went alone. Well, because Shrewd is like, is that really going to impress the elderlings? You're going all this way, and then you're going to get there, and they're going to laugh at you because you don't have anything to bring them. Um, which, honestly, so glad they didn't bring all that stuff. <laughs> what a waste. 
that would have been. But they don't know what the elderlings are, so it is a valid concern. And I will say that, that all of Shrewd's arguments come from a place of this is how we do things and we don't have the money. We want to look good to the elderlings if we're asking for their help. And what like, if you die? Yeah. Also, what if you die? And Regal Bard is in at that point. And <laughs> of course he's incensed like, why wasn't I invited to this? And blah, 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 blah. I'm Regal. I'm mad at everything yes. that I'm not included in. I'm the rightful ruler of this whole place because right. my mom told me. Mm-hmm. And Verity permits himself a small smile before saying, If you were not informed by your spies, why are you here now? Rebuke them that you did not know sooner, not me. Wallace's head jerked back out of sight. <laughs> Verity gets in a couple little jabs in here. They're not as funny as that one, but that one... At least is a little bit lighter than some yeah, of the other ones. Definitely. And so he's demanding to know what is going on. And Shrewd is also like, is there a reason that Regal wasn't included? Why, why isn't he here? And uh, Verity is like, I didn't see that it concerned him at all. Like, I'll just leave him out right. of these decisions. And I wished, and he paused, and I wish to be sure that the decision reached was exclusively your own. Verity, faithful to his name. And so they go back and forth of saying, like, you know, you know, it wouldn't concern me. You, you'd be leaving. And Verity's like, no, I'd be leaving my queen and waiting here. Yeah. And she'd be in my stead. Everything like that. It'd, it'd be fine. Like, you don't need to be concerned with this because my other half would be here. It's King Shrewd that's worried about saying that, like, well, Verity, if you leave... Who do you think's going to be in charge? And then Regal's like, what do you mean he's leaving? <laughs> right, right, so right. So it's, it's not really like Regal interjecting. Yeah. Well, of course it, it includes me. Yeah. Um, it, and then Verity's yes. like, yeah, then Ketchikin yes. would be here. And the queen in waiting, it's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it leads to Verity addressing basically the big elephant in the room, some poison that has seeped down from the interactions that they've had before. And he says, I'm sure my brother could adapt to that situation at a moment's notice if Verity did not return. Mm-hmm. Verity did not bother to mask the distaste, dislike in his voice. I knew then how deep the poison of Regal's treacheries had worked into him. Whatever bond they had ever shared as brothers was eaten away by it, solely rivals now. Shrewd heard it too, I did not doubt. I wonder if he was surprised by it at all. If he was, he covered it well. And Regal's ears pricked at the mention of Verity leaving. He gets really excited about this idea. And he's, like, asking very calmly now, Oh, can someone explain where Verity might be going? And then maybe I'll give you my opinion of what I think. And so, Shrewd, ever the father, your brother wishes to go on a quest. And he very much emphasizes the your brother part. Like, hey, remember your siblings? Which doesn't work because they hate each other. And I think this is a little bit further than family loyalty after Regal has almost successfully murdered his own brother prior to this. But Shrewd doesn't seem to think that is worth quarreling over. (laughs) So Regal all of a sudden is like, well... What, what was your reply? Are you going to let him go? Why would you forbid it? Yeah, why, why would we say no to this? And Shrewd points out, 
did you not just report to me just a short time ago that the building of the warships and the manning and the provisioning of them has all but drained our reserves? And now Regal's got to think on his feet because he did just say that today. This was only a few hours ago, but not a problem for the snake because he says, but I had the rest of the reports since then, dad, you know, I, we can have more money as long as Regal or Verity is willing to travel light. And I almost feel like that part is like, ha, I won't even give him the comforts of a good ride. Whereas that's not what his brother is concerned about at all. And I think shows the disconnect a little bit of Regal's version of royalty and Verity's version of royalty. I don't right. know. But Regal's saying, you know, funds can be found. This isn't important. And Verity makes the comment, I had not realized such decisions were in your province. <laughs> Regal's response is, I give counsel just as you do. Which is a pretty good response. He points it out pretty hastily because he realizes he's close to directing the king as well. Mm-hmm. Which is what he's been doing Trying the whole to time, cover, but... cover his butt there. Right. Not well. Everybody sees through it. So it kind of feels like what's the point, but... I suppose. And so Shrewd then bounces all the ideas and the doubts that he had back at Regal to see how he'd react and really is Shrewd. He is he's studying Regal for his responses. So like he asks about the emissary and Regal responds by, Oh, emissary, no. Don't the stories say that the king himself went? We can't take that chance. And then he keeps repeating after all of these little things like, and it would be fine if Ketrickin left with him too. It would be, yes. you know, his wife would be here. And Verity has to correct him to, my queen would be here, not not just my wife. Yeah. She'd be your ruler. And, and all these little things, because obviously Regal's like, I would be alone and I'd be the only one yep. to take control here. Yep. And I mean, there's also the point of, won't the people of Buckkeep look down on your brother for fleeing in the middle of a war? And Regal's like, oh, no, it'd, it'd fill them with fantasy. Or we could just not tell them that he's gone. Well, um, not tell them the reason why they weren't. Yes. Or tell them that they were just going to their allies, the Mountain Kingdom, for support. Right. Which I do find it interesting how quickly Regal's mind works. Because I, I do kind of believe... He was caught a little off guard at the topic. Oh, I don't think he knew. He's 100% caught off guard. Yeah. And so it's so interesting to see how quickly he can formulate ideas and worm them into still being what he said earlier. Or he thinks that it isn't against anything he said before. But I don't know. I just find that his capability is interesting. That he could be using this for better purposes, but... Right after King Shrewd tells him, like, your brother is contemplating going on a quest to find the Elderlings, the description is, Regal's eyes went owly. I don't know if he could not believe in the notion of Elderlings, or if he could not believe the quantity of good fortune he had suddenly been dealt. He licked his lips. And I think right there, he's like, this is crazy. Now, because he heard that Verity might be leaving, and he's like, I need to make Verity leave at all costs. And then he heard why, and he's like... Even I can defend this uh-huh. somehow, and that's and he just went on from there, just like I need to just refute every con 
with a pro or some way around that uh-huh. detraction. And yeah, his his mind does work pretty fast. And I mean, he's probably getting some ideas like, oh, you're right. If he's going to chase a fairy tale, that will look really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't wait to use that part. <sighs> so Shrewd leaves it up to Verity. He's heard both Shrewd's thoughts, Regal's thoughts, and leaves the decision to Verity and asks him, what do you want to do? And Verity says, after just looking at Ketrikan, that he wishes to go and find the Elderlings. King Shrewd nods, and Fitz says that his heart fell into the pit of his belly. But behind his chair, the fool turned backflips across the room and then cartwheeled back, stand as attentively behind him as if he had never moved. And as Verity knelt to kiss King Shrewd's hand and thank him for his permission, Regal was smiling devilishly. Yes. Smile spread across Regal's face was wide enough to engulf a shark. He's just looking at him as there was chum in the water. Yeah. Shark was coming. Bucky was his. And this is so hard because it clearly is the right call. But you have to make the right call at the expense of Regal gaining more power. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, it's so frustrating. It's because what is the better answer, you know? And that's what makes it more frustrating is there isn't. Yeah, it's the right answer for the six duchies, for the people themselves, because they have to end it. Right. And the war. But it's terrible for the people of six duchies, because for a solid, like, year, it's... Regal in charge. Yeah, regal in charge. Which I feel like if they had made this decision earlier, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. Like, before... Regal's punishment was to take care of everything because Maybe. I feel like giving him the time to be in charge of all the interdisciplinary things puts him more at a position to look in power. Yeah, and but- so without that, he only has the backings of a few people in Pharaoh. Now he has all of the inner duchies, and some other people can say, Well, he wasn't doing so bad at managing funds that we know of, you know? But it this intervening time also gave Ketrikin time to be more sure and certain of herself and True. her queenly duties and has, like you mentioned before earlier in the chapter, patience drew out of her shell and got this good role model of a leader. True. Without that time, Regal would have been in charge forever, I think. Yeah. Maybe patience could have stepped up still, but having the role model, like you mentioned, yeah. I really like that, of a queen who wants to do well by her people... I, I think really influences Patience's de- right. decision later. Well, not only do well by her people, but doesn't seem very affected by rumors that go on about right, her. Right, right. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just hard. There is no good answer. Clearly, the fool disagrees with us because he's doing backflips, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, honestly, looking at this from an objective point of view, he literally does not care about the people of the six statues at this sure. point. Because it's, he 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 can he yeah. he has empathy as a person, but in terms of the grand scheme, the grand scheme, he's like these people don't matter. I need to bring dragons back in the world, however I can, mm-hmm. because that is the best future for the whole world. Right. It almost feels like with his grand powers, he has a sense of. I'm not really sure how to phrase this, but because he can see all of time and he knows everyone impacts time in some way. He knows everybody's going to die anyway. He know 
every single person is going yeah. to die no matter what he does. So what does it matter if some of them die more uncomfortable than they would have if it means in the grand scheme that leads to the Less right path? people die yeah. in the, in the, yeah. eventually. So yeah. I think it's just one of those things where he's probably desensitized to the idea of people dying in pain mm-hmm. because it's for the greater good. And it's a lot like Shrewd and Chade and how they think just on a grander scale. Yeah, exactly. And so he's, they're kind of dismissed and uh, Faraday's going to leave in a week. And he thanks Fitz for witnessing. Mm-hmm. He explains, witnessing something is much more than hearing about it afterwards. To keep in your memory all the words that were said so they may not be forgotten. And Fitz takes this as, oh, that means I'm going to get called by Chade tonight. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than that. Obviously, yeah. Chade is going to call on him. But I think it's more of like, you can tell other people if Regal comes too high into power, starts spreading rumors. You were there. You know what happened. And I don't know. So this is right here. This next part of it is a little bit of what I was talking about with his conversation with Molly. So seeing the king like he did, he gets the delusions that King Shrewd would, you know, maybe in his better minds, mm-hmm. hear his discussions about Molly and not Solarity, which is, like I said, delusions. Right. <laughs> Shrewd would decide either way. But he does make a decision to have a frank discussion and thank her for the things that she has done, which still does not happen in the future. It never happens. He, he, does, he makes this promise to himself that the visit would be brief just to talk to her, to let her know I appreciated all he did, all she did, and then he would leave. And he goes to her, knocks on the door, she lets him in, she can see that he has determined he has a task in mind, and then looks down into her eyes and all of a sudden, the passion that came over me suddenly was like a spring flood that burst suddenly down a creek, flinging all winter's debris out of its way. My intentions of quietly talking were swept away. Molly gasped as I held her to me fiercely, then surrendered herself to me. And there's further descriptions here of... When she kissed me hungrily, I suddenly felt awkward, uncertain as to why she should she would desire me. She was so young and so beautiful, it seemed vanity to believe she could want someone as battered and worn down as I. Which, Molly's older than Fitz. Catrickin yep. is younger than Verity. <laughs> and also, it seemed months rather than days since we had last been together. Yep. And... Recognize the reality of love in her blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh... Strong, pale arms, later recall glimpses of golden hair spread across a pillow, scent of honeywood and mountain sweet on her skin. Afterward, Molly whispered in amazement that my intensity made me seem a different man. Her head was pillowed on my chest. I kept silent and stroked her dark hair that always smelled of her herbs, thyme and lavender. Fitz worded his mind well, but Verity had not. Mm-hmm. And... He doubted anybody else had recognized that or been drawn into that same same reality, that same scene, I guess. And Fitz hoped that he was the only one who had sensed it fully. There was no real harm done as long as he never spoke of it. As long as I could blot forever from my mind the sweetness of Ketrickin's mouth and the softness of her white, white skin. 
Yep. That's also what like Verity was feeling when right. Fitz wasn't shielding his well, that was more dreams, but Right. Uh yeah, so Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. But the beginning of that is what I wanted to come to and, and argue my side that Fitz <laughs> did have good intentions going to Molly that night of at least having a frank discussion, thanking her, not just spending the night and, you know, surrendering herself surrendering surrendering himself to her safety and living there but like literally going there and having a mature conversation and thanking her for what she did and then leaving but that all changes when verity and ketra can get into it i suppose i guess i don't i'm not convinced that even if verity and ketra hadn't gotten passionate that he would have been able to just walk away i think we've seen too many times yeah, of him maybe. With the best intentions, going to talk to her and then being, uh, deciding that her wanting to sleep with him means that he's forgiven or that that is a silent nod from the universe that it's okay what he's doing. And I don't know. So I'm, I'm not convinced with his pattern of right. behavior that he would have any more luck whether or not he was influenced. And I'm, I will That's... give you that, that he was influenced in a lot of ways, but I don't know. That's why I mentioned innocent, but until proven guilty for this one, because mm -hmm. he went in with the intentions for this one and it was different intentions than usual right. of like, Oh, I'll have to talk to her about celerity eventually right? and find a good time. This one was, I am going to just talk to her like literally minutes before he knocked on her door. I am yeah. just going to talk to her, thank her and leave to go to shade. Cause this is important. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Ketrickin and Verity actually have a romantic and meaningful moments together, finally. So. Okay. The, uh, do you think that means that Verity's child and Fitz's first child are conceived on the same night? Ooh. I know. Yes. I don't like it. <laughs> don't like thinking about it we already know molly's trying to be careful maybe she's already pregnant we don't know yeah um, but i would say yes but we know that this is how ketrican becomes pregnant mm -hmm. so either either this or the next seven nights right but so yeah but that, i mean that means they're conceived like uh, really close to each other at least like it. a month i would say yeah yeah within a month which is the most being generous <laughs> yes being generous so which is like a really weird thought so is it uh. i mean it's a weird thought if it literally happened this night because fitz was not of his own mind yeah but also the like uh, molly's comment of wow you seem like somebody else is like cringe because she doesn't know yeah <laughs> he literally was <laughs> well not, not literally. literally. <laughs> not like Only later on. Not like later on in the books. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of a different mind or at least different passions. Yeah. Than usual. This is a, a pretty momentous chapter, not just because of Verity and Ketrickin mm -hmm. finally uh, developing a relationship together rather than just an unrequited love right. from Ketrickin. Of course, they have to have a cute relationship right before right. everything Seven goes days down. Let's then... just break our hearts more. It already <laughs> would have been sad, but no, let's make it way worse. Thanks, Robin. Yep. <laughs> 
So it it's very momentous, not just because of that, but because the actual plot of this book is yes. coming into effect now. I've 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 read a lot of things of people like, oh, I'm reading, a, you know, these books for the first time, the uh, a Farseer trilogy for the first time. It's just so slow; nothing happens until the ends, and kind of true if you don't like character development or like deep, right. just in your head about you know trauma and emotional <laughs> things. So for everybody else, this is like the start of the plot for this book, honestly, yeah. because you you specifically don't like the the pirate part. Well, not the pirates, but the <laughs> the fighting, the fighting, and like right. the I'm sea a- parts of yeah. this. I mean, that's like two chapters. <laughs> yeah, but the rest is literally just having night eyes and Fitz moping about Molly. Yeah, right. I, like that's I the like, only other two parts. Yeah. Oh, and the forged ones once in a little. Yeah. Mentioning that he's going out to kill him or having the traumatic scene with the Forge ones. Right. I don't know. I like I like the intrigue and I also like the character growth that you get to watch. I'm right. not I, a big like I'm not saying you don't fan. like this don't like this book, <laughs> but I'm just comparing you to other readers right, that right. Who also haven't liked this series, which personally I don't understand because I love obviously I love this series, <laughs> but this is where like the meat of the next book and a half come from like this is the the starting point this is what drives the rest of it onwards right well to be fair it is kind of a lot of nothing going on yeah wonderful nothing wonderful nothing but (laughs) it's just world and character building which is hard for people to love which is fair not everybody likes the same stuff but i wish more people like this book because i wanted to become a its own TV show adaption, a la Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's, there's no way. They, well, actually, because Fitz does age up, mm-hmm. they could definitely do it. The Fool would be hard, though. I it feel like they'd have to get multiple different actors in different roles and just kind of like say, "Yep, this is Amber. This is the Fool. This is just yeah, change them out, change them out for a bunch of different things." That's fair. I don't know. I would love a series, though. I think that'd be so fun. Yeah, it would. 16 books long, though, so I, I feel like oh, they would so have good. to... I feel like they'd have to just, like... 30 episode chunks. seasons per chapter, <laughs> or per book, not chapter. <laughs> it would be in development for three years per season, so... <laughs> love it. They do that at the BBC all the time, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Although those are, like, way shorter seasons, but... How do you guys want to see it adapted? How would you want to see it? Yeah. Like a, Tell us your cast, Dreamcast. An animated style? That seems I'd to be, be okay with that. That seems to be a large response for a lot of fantasy series because it's hard to do magics and things mm-hmm. like that with practical effects. Right. But this is all in your head pretty much, so it would be relatively easy to do it with real-life adaptions. Yeah. Do you want to see movies? I think movies would kind of just truncate the plot too much. Yeah, I couldn't do a movie. But TV shows, it's also really hard to do, like, voiceover or first-person perspective very well. True. So, I don't know. It, it's really hard. What do you guys think? Email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Comment on all of our posts. Shout out, uh, out at us at Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're all at isfitshappy. So this week, we got a lot of really positive and nice uh, 
uh, comments talking about how people had just found us or they've been listening to us for a while and they really like uh, hearing our perspectives. Um, so we just wanted to thank everybody for the kind words of encouragement. Yeah. Uh, no questions or theories this week, but we did want to make sure we said thank you. It does mean a lot to hear your guys' positive feedback because we just sit in a room and talk to each other. Or negative. Uh, if or we can, negative, If we can yeah. be doing anything better, let us know. If you don't like how long the episodes are or if they're not long enough, <laughs> I'm sure we can adjust those things. But uh, yeah, we, we'd love to hear how we're doing. So Yeah, so it's, and it's really nice. We, I think something that I really appreciate is how positive everybody is in our community that we've built. And not just towards us. I'm not, <laughs> don't want to toot my own horn of like, oh, you guys love us. But just in general, you guys interact nicely <laughs> to each other yeah, yeah. and to us. And it's just so positive. And it's nice in the crazy world that we live in to have a corner of the internet to go to where we can all get along and talk about our disagreements in a healthy way. Talk about some fantasy book or something, you know? (laughs) A very, a not super popular or mainstream fantasy (laughs) book, but a good one nonetheless. So we wanted to make sure that we said thank you. And we see all of the messages and we do appreciate them a lot.